Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, co-host. That is my other co-host. I only have one, Kurt Souter. <laughs> Kurt oh. Souter of Further Still Ministries. Oh. How are you doing today, Kurt? Hey, you know, I'm doing good. Uh, what have you, are you, you okay this morning? Yeah, man, I'm feeling good. <laughs> okay. Feeling, feeling just, good. Just, I'm feeling it. So uh, we, uh, if you're just tuning in, thank you for, uh, for listening to us. Hopefully you're doing it on purpose. But if you're doing it by accident, maybe you'll stick around and, and hear some more of our show or past shows. We're a show for men by men talking about things from a man's perspective. We know we have lots of lady listeners and that's great, but we're talking to the guys primarily and we like to hear the stories that God is writing in men's lives. And uh, we have all kinds of different stories and all kinds of different topics that we talk about on our show. And we've got a whole history of uh, two, two years worth of shows that you can go to our Facebook page, iTunes or SoundCloud, and you can go to furtherstoneministries.org, click on the mic and you can hear all of our shows in their entirety, commercial-free, thanks to our sponsors. And uh, our show today uh, is uh, is no different. We, we're going to tell a story that God is writing. But let me ask you this question, Kurt. Does the name Gladys Burrell mean anything to you? Not a thing. Okay. Well, Gladys was an aircraft pilot, a mountain climber, a hiker, and a horseback rider. But that's not what she's famous for. What she's famous for is that she ran her very first full marathon at 86 years old. Nice. And, and no, oh my wait, golly. it gets better. She ran the Hawaiian Marathon, which apparently is prettier and hotter, I'm assuming. It's still the same distance, but she was 92 when she did that. So our topic today is exercising when you're old. No, that's not the topic today. <laughs> the topic today is you might look at somebody who's 86 and go, well, I'm just, it's too far gone for me to ever run a marathon. It's too late. For me to be able to do anything of significance well we're not talking necessarily about exercise today but we are talking about it never being too late you know chad and i love stories because and that's why we do what we do on this radio show is uh, just tell stories and tom mckechnie it uh, you have an, a fascinating story about um it's never too late and how god redeemed you and god uh just worked in your life in an incredible way so uh, welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you. And, Thank you. and we have something special because <clears throat> it, it, we do, a, this is a show for men by, by men, but you brought somebody with you. Yes. Uh, my wife, Karen, is with me and is um, uh, a res- totally responsible for um, me coming to know Christ with her strong faith. And through Christ, she was able to... to uh, you you were a little slow in the whole uh, spiritual formation thing, weren't you? I was. You were was. bullheaded, stubborn, and uh, and beyond. Yes. Um, so uh, Karen and I were married when um, I was 21. She was 19. She's always had strong faith. I was what you would call probably an agnostic. Uh, I was pre-med uh, when we were married, got through medical school with pride, arrogance, that it was all about the world. Um and my hard work, and um, once uh, we began to um, move toward residency and then my career in emergency medicine, I still struggled with pride, arrogance, and as you can imagine, I was um, front row seat to a lot of horrible things, and I kept asking God, where are you in all of this? And, um, and, and the whole time, Karen is being faithful and just praying yes. and loving you yes. and just being by your side. Yeah. And you were pride, and, prideful. You, you, you mentioned before the show, you were 
filled with pride and yes if you can imagine a doctor full of pride i don't know but, <laughs> uh, so yeah and and i call these moments in my life divine appointments before and after i found my faith so god was giving me divine appointments in the er and uh, at one point uh, he showed me faith uh, through a father i was trying to re to um take care of a 10-year-old little boy who I could not bring back to life. And um, the nurses convinced me to stop. I was uh, just devastated by this um, situation. And when I walked into the room, I didn't realize that uh, this little boy was one of identical triplets. So um, I began to tear up, and my voice uh, stammered. And this father uh, stood up and hugged me and consoled me and said, uh, do not worry, we will see him again in the kingdom of heaven. So it was a powerful moment for me that whatever he had, I wanted it so badly. And what was it about these Christians who had such comfort, even in the most horrible situations? Um, and that happened time and time again. I called them my divine appointments. So um, fast forward, uh, I continued to struggle, asking God, where was he? Because all the, it was the, all the tragedies, it was all the stuff that you were seeing in the yeah. ER room you know, where it was just a mess, and yeah. you're going, okay, where's God in all this? Absolutely, and I kept, uh, he would uh, every now and then give me a divine appointment that uh, would kind of rock my worldview of things, and um, that went on for years. Um, Karen was steadfast, my compass, uh, just a piece about her that was... Um, it was wonderful. We had three sons, and she was always their, their light. Um, and my struggle in the darkness with pride, arrogance, and the worldview, I wanted to be a good husband, um, good father, and good doctor. And, and that was working for me until um, there was a time when Karen uh, got cancer. And um, now when, what, How old were you, Karen, when you, you got cancer? 49 years old. You were 49 years old. Yeah. And that rocked your world. Yes. I didn't make sense. Uh, I could not fix it. Um, and I had to start surrendering uh, what I considered my idols with my family and uh, my job. And eventually, um, Karen was diagnosed, treated. And um, through that process, the scales were removed from my eyes. And I found Christ um, through that process. And uh, once I was baptized and came to know Christ. I think we sat in church uh, a couple of weekends, and I just said, wait a minute. God did not save me to sit here and go to church once a week. Um, it was uh, it was a time when I just felt this fire in me to just to go. So now, now Back up just a little bit, though. It was a sermon that, that was called Doubting Thomas, and yeah. your name is Thomas, yes, right? That's right. <laughs> that was... Uh, Bob Russell uh, basically did uh, a sermon on Doubting Thomas early when I was still searching, and uh, Karen said, you got to go listen to this Bob Russell. So we went, and he, sure enough, he uh, talked about Doubting Thomas, and I know he was looking at me the whole time. And I said, Karen, you had that planned. And she said, I didn't, honestly. Uh, so it was d also divine appointments in church. Sermons were starting to touch me. And, but it was really God had to really take me on a field trip and rock my world and bring me to my knees and through that divine appointment, I, uh, I found Christ. When, when, Karen, when you were diagnosed and you are struggling, you're trying to find and fix this issue, because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, you're a doctor. You make things better. Yeah. But you couldn't do that. And then, but God miraculously really healed you. Miracle. It was a miracle. I mean, you're not supposed to be here. Absolutely not. In, in that process, Tom, we're... It, was she healed and then you came to faith or was it in the middle of all the 
the treatments and all of that? Um, I, um, I kind of view these things as uh, scriptural Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I prayed hard that God would take this from Karen and no answer. And then the other option was to get thrown into the fire. Uh, the diagnosis was true. She had her chemo. And when she came out, she had a great testimony. And it was eventually that that brought me to Christ. He saved her. Um, and we always talk about the fact that Karen took one for the team. She had to get cancer before I, my pride was broken down. And God, uh, you know, God will do just about anything to oh get our gosh. attention. I mean, oh my gosh, I am so yes, humbled by her faith and, and her love for me, even though I was in the darkness for so long. So her patience uh, was just uh, beyond words. Well, the, the patience of the Lord and the patience of your wife, and He wooed you and drew you and. And so, okay, so you're sitting there in church and you're going, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. I've given my life to Christ. Christ has saved me. And there's a whole host of things that God does, you know, when we become children of his. his. Um, but you're, you're recognizing he, he didn't just save me to just sit here and come to church once a week. Absolutely. So I always say there's two pieces to that. God's grace for forgiveness of all my sins and pride and arrogance and the way that I just never used his gifts. So I had this Job moment, I call it Job 38 moment in the ER, when I was saying, God, where are you in all of this? And he answered me very clearly, who are you to ask me this? Where were you when I gave you this gift of medicine um, and you did not use it to show compassion to the suffering that you've seen in the ER and give glory to my name? Um, so. you, you were... You were getting the glory for you. Exactly. It was all pride. When people didn't, didn't do well, I, um, I took pride in the fact that I was cutting edge knowledge and skill-wise, so they couldn't have been saved. Um, and those who didn't get saved, um, it was because they couldn't be. And when I was faced with this with Karen, I couldn't fix this. And for the first time, God was showing me what it was like for those people on the other side of this when they were given this diagnosis by me, and I showed no compassion to them. So... It was a powerful moment after a couple of times in church, uh, Christ, uh, he gave me grace, but he also gave me the Holy Spirit and that lit a fire in me that <laughs> beyond words. So. Well, Tom, you, you, you said before the show, um, since then, it is now a dead sprint to heaven. Yes. I wasted so much time uh, with scales on my eyes, living in the darkness of, of the world and pride. When he removed those, it was so clear to me that I am on a dead sprint to heaven to make up for me. No longer a walk or a jog for me. I want to fall at his feet totally exhausted and sprint into heaven. That's awesome. All right, so we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. And if you think the story ends there, boy, you're, you're mistaken. Uh, we're going to hear about a little bit of Tom's sprint uh, through God's kingdom. And we don't have enough show to talk about everything, but we're going to try to unpack a little bit more of what God has done through Tom and his ministry, he and Karen both. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Hopefully you're coming back if you're just joining us. We are Solid Steps Radio, show for men by men, talking about things from a dude's perspective. And uh, we've got a lady. She's really, we've got a rose among three thorns today. That is the truth. Uh, in, the, in the room, uh, Tom and Karen McKechnie. And uh, we're talking about how it's never too late uh, to make a, a mark in the world or for God to make a mark through you in the world. Uh, it's also not too late for you 
Uh, if you need some contacts or glasses and you've been walking around and you can't see that quite well when you're reading, you need to go to Vision First. Those folks will take care of you on all of your eye care. We also want to thank Ellen and Credit Union. They are a local lender and they're so much more than that. They love this community and they invest in the community uh, with your investments and, and they love to work with people. Frank Enterprises. Uh, Frank Enterprises works on septic systems, uh, works on land drainage, uh, escape, uh, landscaping uh, type of, uh, of, of issues when it comes to irrigation. Uh, Bright Star Home Care. If you know someone who is a loved one who wants to stay and be independent or is going to make that transition from independent living to possibly uh, having to make a little bit more help, Bright Star Home Care helps people in all of your process and, and doing that. And also Dan Hart Financial, if you have any financial needs in regards to retirement and what you want to have a vision of what your long-term retirement goals are, Dan Hart Financial takes care of that. So uh, Tom and Karen, it is it's so awesome. I love your story. God saves you, God redeems you, and you go, okay. Um, it is a full-blown sprint to heaven. I, I, I've wasted all these years. Because you were, you, were, you were how old when you came to Christ? 50. You were 50 years old, and you go, okay, so I've got another whatever, 30 years left. I've kind of wasted, and not in the t- term of wasted, but I mean in, in walking with, with the Lord and let, allowing God to use you. You didn't walk with him for all those years. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live to the fullest. Yeah. And you go, okay, Karen, it's time to, we're going to go on a mission trip. Yeah. So I thought um, God was preparing me through this whole time. Even when I was lost in the dark, he was preparing for me for something big. And the Holy Spirit lit a fire in me that um, it was about missions and to use the gift that he gave me of medicine to not only be a witness here at home in the ER, but also around the world and take care of the least of these. So sit, sat in church a few weekends and said, uh, Karen, we got to go. Um, I, can't, I can't handle sitting here not doing something. I'm not a, uh, a one day a week or one hour a week or with the Lord. He's opened my eyes and I'm running. So I, I said, we really need to go to Ethiopia. For God just put it on my heart. Now, hold on. Uh, Ethiopia. They had no connection there. None. None. I just felt. Holy Spirit was just kind of whispering Ethiopia. Yeah. Holy Spirit. And Karen didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. She goes, where's Ethiopia? <laughs> yeah. We, well, I didn't really know a lot about African ge- uh, in her defense. I said Ethiopia. And so we got the map out and Karen said, can we just start in Eastern Kentucky or do something <laughs> close by? And I said, no, we have resources. God's gifted us. Let's go. So I said, but I really want to make it clear that um, you don't ride my faith into this, um, into Ethiopia. I want you to be 100% on board because if something happens to us, I don't want to carry that guilt. So over a period of a few months, um, we came to the same place, and she was on board, and we went, and it was uh, very powerful for both of us that uh, we should be there, and God uh, just was a, um, just an amazing blessing to us. And from that point on, we were, we were on our way to sprint uh, to take care for the least of these around the world. So, okay, so you're in Ethiopia. You, you ministered and, and really got to do a lot. You practiced medicine there, you know, in a, what, 10-day period, whatever yep. it was. How, how many people did you see? Oh, some of the trips we went on, um, even not in Ethiopia, but we were seeing up to thousands when we would go. And the question kept, why are you leaving, Dr. Tom, when there's so many more to see? And um, I pridefully, still struggling with the pride, said, well, my goodness, we saw all these people. What more can we do? And I would come home. People would say, you're such a great guy. And it was one of those, uh, you got to be careful uh, that the pride doesn't, uh, 
that people don't start looking up to you and and see your brokenness and and Christ has to be in in you. So. Uh, I had great mentors before me, Dr. Florence Mundi with Life in Abundance, Steve Saint, um, uh, Charlie Vitito, who had an Empower, uh, was teaching dental, and I kept seeing the Lord chip away at, at my view of missions. In fact, one quick story was that Florence, uh, there was a gentleman who came with a huge mass on his neck. Uh, he'd been struggling with that for years, so I, in my pride, called up uh, the hospitals in Louisville, said, I'm going to get this guy taken care of. The next day, I was proud of myself, told Florence, Geez, Florence, here's what I've done for this this guy in the middle of the bush. And she goes, Dr. Tom, that would that is wonderful what you did, but that would be the worst thing you could do in this situation. <laughs> and I said, well, what's, why is that? She says, because then you're telling them the people from the West are their answer to their problems. You have to put him before the church and let them take care of this man. So she did that. She said, this man is suffering. He's the body of Christ. We need to help him. They fundraised a month later. The uh, mass was removed in Nairobi. And uh, she said, now we've shown them that if there is a problem, they can take care of it, empower them, don't let them become dependent on the West. And that changed my view of missions, uh, chipped away at my view of missions of going and doing. And then, and, and then you had a, a, um, kind of a remarkable, another God opening your eyes. You went to Haiti. Yes, I was in Haiti right after the earthquake. Saw, I've seen a lot of bad things in the ER, obviously, but that was the most horrific thing I've seen. And there was amputations and uh, just children. Um, it was awful. And um, so I thought, who is, who's going to take care of these wounds when we leave after the media goes away? So I started uh, teaching the pastors I was with uh, how to take care of these wounds. And the people would ask, why are you still here? All the other doctors, some secular doctors would go, this is too big. Uh, I'm leaving. I can't fix this. But they would say, the Christian doctors are staying. We feel uh, God shook Haiti so that we would come to know Christ through you. So we prayed with all the patients, pastors. We were taking care of these wounds unbelievably. And that sparked um, uh, the fire in me to start teaching modules of how to take care of wounds. It was my first one. He took me to Afghanistan. He took me Somali, uh, Somaliland. So uh, it just started to uh, explode uh, from that point forward of building modules to teach pastors who know the culture, know the language, and they can evangelize and share the gospel much more efficiently than I can in a week. Yeah, so the, these pastors, they, they got like a fifth grade education, right? Correct. And so you're going to go over there with um, 12 plus years of yeah. medical training and, uh, and then all these years of experience. And you're going to teach a pastor who has a, a few years of education, and you're going to teach them medicine. Yes. So uh, Charlie Vidita, who started his Empower, he was doing the same thing with pastors with no education, teaching them how to extract teeth and show compassion and share the gospel. So I said, there must be a way to do this in medicine. I got a lot of pushback from doctors. Why don't you just send money? Um, um, there's no way you can teach these pastors in a week to do the things that we do. So I told them that that was very prideful. They need to come with me on a trip. And by sending money, you miss the relationship piece. Christ was always about relationships, and there's a tremendous bond that we get with these pastors. So Karen was my editor. Uh, she does not have a medical background, so my first modules were terrible. A lot of verbiage in them, and uh, on the field, she would just tell me that I'm not connecting, and she would guide me in, in so, my modules. So you're, when you go over there, you, your first step was you're going to write 
this all down and teach these guys yeah. and karen would say honey th- th- they're going to understand this like they're going to understand <laughs> yeah. you know i mean no, there's no way yeah what yeah. did you say karen <laughs> i said no i gave it the, the cut i said there's just no way that they can read because of the language barrier mm. yeah and the translation i was translate they were translating things medical terms um and i said okay i can make this simpler uh, i did it in haiti just verbally so i um so we changed the the modules into more mostly pictures. Translation was easy, and now we're we've we've gone to eighteen different modules, different levels, and okay. Uh, you know, and when you say eighteen different modules, you you, you have a, a piece of how to take care of wounds. Mm-hmm. So a person who has got a serious serious wound, a puncture, or you know whatever, you that's like one module. That's just one module. We have obstetrics, uh, GYN, health and hygiene, vital signs. So we're opening the door, and the goal is not the medical. The goal is to evangelize. So what we do is train them to give them a skill set. They can knock on a door, and uh, on a Muslim door, a Hindu door, a Buddhist door, with a medical skill set that they can then show compassion and love first, develop the relationship, and evangelize long after we've left. So, and you mentioned uh, before the show that there was a, a guy uh, in Ghana. You were in, yeah. in Western Africa. Yeah. And I've been to Ghana, which is just remarkable. So yeah. you start talking about people, and I'm like, I, I know these people. Yeah. Um, but you trained him how to do some medical things, and that opened a door. T- tell us about that. Yeah, so we were in Ghana <clears throat> with a ministry called Alabaster Project, and he's in a 99% Muslim area. Uh, so when we went in there, we taught our typical first-level training, which is vital signs, health and hygiene, how to wash your hands, clean water, uh, and to deliver babies um, in the first hour. So after we did the week's training, we gave them their certificates, and for the first time, King said that he was invited into the imam's house. Now, to, to describe an imam. Imam was the, the head of that community, the Muslim leader of that community. That was uh, King had been there for 18 years trying to impact the, the Muslim population there. After he heard we did the training, he was, a, he was invited into the imam's house and mosque to take his blood pressure because he heard he had the skill, and he was able to um, witness to him about uh, Jesus Christ. The women were then at the Muslim women were then asking the Christian women to deliver their babies, never done before. So he said, within 18 years, in one week, we have made more progress from your training to uh, expand the kingdom of heaven, um, and it was a truly blessing. That's, the training. that's incredible. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, the very first uh, part of that next segment, we're going to talk about a happening at an airport coming back from Haiti that changed the trajectory that God did even more expansive work in Tom's life and in the ministry through him and Karen. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. This is our third segment. And if you missed the first two, you've missed a lot. You need to go back and listen in order to do that, what you can do is you can go to our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, and you can type in Solid Steps Radio. Like us while you're there. You're already on there too much anyway. You might as well like us. Uh, or you can go to iTunes. You can go to SoundCloud. You can just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you can hear all of our past shows commercial-free, thanks to our sponsors. And you can hear the first two segments with Tom and Karen McKechnie. 
And it is an amazing story. And if you think it's too late and God cannot use me, you need to listen to the first two segments and continue to listen to these stories we're going to hear. So, okay, Tom, you, you, you're 50 years old. You come to Christ. Now you're 64. You just retired. Correct. And so now it's, it's, it's even faster for the kingdom. I mean, yep. you're just running as hard as you can possibly run yes. <laughs> for the glory of God. I, and I used to work out to stay in shape. Now I'm working out so I can continue to do missions and God can use me <laughs> as long as he can. That's so. awesome. Okay. So you're, you're in Haiti, Karen, you, you guys were telling a story about you're in Haiti, you're at the airport and something happens. Yeah. We were sitting in the airport ready to leave. We'd already done our mission work there and had done a small clinic, um, over in, um, Perido. And so we were sitting in there and we both looked at each other and we said, what is wrong? Here's thousands of people coming off the airplane and we're sitting in the airport with thousands of people who are getting ready to leave. And so we sat there and we said, you know, we need to be teaching, we need to be changing while we're evangelizing and something's just not working here. So we, we did get on the airplane and as we sat on the airplane, God spoke to us and said, this is your opportunity to start a ministry. And so we sat there and said, we uh, said, what was it the day that our Lord and Savior was crucified? One man was saved and one man wasn't saved. And so we started our ministry called Teach to Transform. It represents the three crosses. Mm. And so that is what we do is we go now and we work with the, with the pastors to change the community by teaching medical, farming, motorcycle repair, sewing, and... And you have how, you mentioned how many modules do you have? Uh, we have 18 modules, uh, probably more, but <clears throat> we go in uh, first level training. We, we commit for three years to go in and continue to train the people that we've trained, and then we take them to a higher level. So we're creating this um, army of healthcare workers uh, and training them at a higher level each time. Um, our role diminishes, theirs increases, and we're impacting at the community level uh, with these modules, and we they they tell us what they need. So if they need farming for their orphanage where the kids are starving, we teach them farming. So we ask for their top five priorities and try and build a team to go in and and transform the community through their uh, their needs. Yeah, but you're not a farmer; you're a doctor. Correct. <laughs> so what do you do? So when I t when I heard that the orphans were starving and they were, um, they said if we could only do farming, we could feed the children. Plus, we could use that as a resource to fund our orphanage. Um, we um, ha went and talked to people and uh, found farmers who were interested in helping us build modules to farm, and we use a model called Farming God's Way. We didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So these farmers now come with us, and, and it's all scriptural. Uh, farming God's Way is a biblical um, um, protocol to, to farm. So we're, there's teams right now uh, going to India, um, and there's a team right now in South Sudan teaching farming for orphans. Uh, We've done mechanical repair. We have partnered with iTech down in um, uh, Jamie and Steve Saint's uh, ministry. We're working together uh, establishing medical modules. Uh, they have a tremendous uh, motorcycle repair, uh, motor repair as well. Hi, okay, the motorcycle repair thing, that intrigues me. What, okay, I mean, how in the world did that all start? So they have, when we looked at these places, um, these children coming out of the orphanage uh, were at a dead end at about 12, 13 years old. The girls were even either going, being promised a marriage or being in the sex trade, or the boys were then going to the streets and get uh, addiction problems. So we thought, what kind of skill set, hopeful hearts, 
um, was a is a powerful ministry with ours where they work with the orphans and they said we have to uh, develop a skill set for them as they leave the orphanage. So that's when we started our motorcycle repair, uh, which was just basic maintenance, but we were able to engage uh, these students and then give these young men and give them a skill set. What we underestimated was the business model with that. They had no idea how to handle the business piece of that, so we're trying to build a business model so that they know how much the parts cost, how much profit they should make. So there was a whole other dynamic. It took off so quickly, we underestimated how fast that was going to work. So iTech in Florida has an actual motor repair. They're at a higher level, so we partner in areas where that's needed as well. So, I mean, you don't know how to fix motorcycles. No, I do not. <laughs> I know I changed the oil, but that's about it. So you, you, you partnered with, and that became one of your modules. Yes. So you go over and you teach these kids, a 12-year-old kid, how to fix a motorcycle. How to ma- do maintenance on a motorcycle, yes. So, yeah. so, so that he can then have a trade. And then you, you taught him the business model of how not just to fix a motorcycle and take right. care of the motorcycle. Yeah, that's the piece we're working on now. So anybody out there who's got skill sets in mechanics, accounting, uh, who can uh, help us with a module, t- uh, with a business aspect, uh, Jim Headley's another um, person who helps us with the business side of things. Uh, so those, uh, there are amazing number of uh, places you can engage to help people um, around the world. If you just have an idea, come to us and we'll, uh, we'll launch it. Because, I mean, that's how you started out with one. Yeah, and, you know, was, which was terrible. <laughs> and, and thankfully, for your, your non-medical wife <laughs> yes. said, honey, this is pathetic. You got to get clear and, and just let's make pictures instead of these high-calibered yeah. words. And, uh, and then you, you went from one module to the next, and, and, then, I, and then pretty soon you're doing motorcycle repair, and pretty soon you're doing sewing. Talk about sewing a little bit. Well, God's kingdom is big, and, <laughs> and everybody has something they can do. You know, so often people come to us and say, I'm just a school teacher. What can I do? I'm just a whatever. What can I do? And God gave us gifts, no matter what they are. And so I always like to tell the story of, a retired school teacher in Anchorage who went to South Sudan, brought a few books, eight students, no girls, and we came back five years in a row. And at the end of the five years, they said, Miss Judy, we want to show you what you've started here in South Sudan. 50% of the students were now girls because Judy came. you t- you got to be talking about Judy Kaufman. I yeah. am, <laughs> Judy Kaufman. Yeah. And there was now 250 students in the school after five years. But she has that, not- is, that is what a retired school teacher can do. Yeah. So we, the, God gives us the gifts, no matter who you are or what you do, there is a place on the mission field for you. Because Karen, what is your business? I own a construction company. <laughs> what can I do on a mission field? I mean, what in the world can you do on a, it's yeah. so awesome. Bring the love of Jesus Christ. That's what yes. can do. Take whatever skill, whatever talent, whatever we've been talent. trained in, Right. And, and use that for the kingdom. Right. Yeah. Let God write your story. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Move out of the way and let God write your story. Okay, so t- tell us about the story um, uh, in India that you were telling us in the break. <laughs> yeah, so we have partners in India. We can't really mention their ministries because persecution's high, but um, they are called, uh, for lack of a better term, dump ministries, where infanticide is big in India based on the caste system and the financial burden on families for for baby girls. So the husband makes the decision at that time whether to have the uh, infant, whether completely normal or not, killed. So these pastors we work with 
go by the dumps and they take orphans and they pull them out of the dumps and he and they they take, they, they, they take these little babies they hear they just, cries they hear cries in the dump yard they, they, mm-hmm. the, the, the dad would take his own daughter and just kind of dump her in the yes trash. And, and all sorts of horrible things they would suffocate them at birth and so they knew as Christians they needed to be responsible for them so um, again um, Every life is important. So they would take these young girls, and he knew that he had to, to educate them, which he did. And he also said that he needs to keep them longer than just 12 or 13 because they were promised in marriage and they would get into prostitution. So he started a nursing school, and he also had an HIV-AIDS ministry. Um, so we went in and we trained our basic medical to HIV-AIDS ladies who had all been given AIDS by their husbands. Um, but um, we also trained the nursing students, and together— the HIV-AIDS ladies are the great evangelists. They have been through the fire and come out with strong faith. They were originally Hindu. And then these young nurses are now going with them to, to provide the medical skills. So together they are the body of Christ, and they're evangelizing thousands. Um, um, each time we get a report back, we ask for quarterly reports from them. And uh, it's a powerful ministry. Long after we've left, they're still sharing the gospel. That, that's incredible. Yeah, truly. So, it's humbling. Uh, um, you know, Tom, when you came to faith in Christ, you never even could imagine <laughs> what what is going on now that God has launched in and through both of you. Um, because I love your together. This is a this is a team thing. I mean, you're the doctor, and you're the you know, the, you're not a nothing. She's the, she's the builder. <laughs> so you're you're the builder. She <laughs> she is my uh, my compass for. Uh, her compassion and patience with me. But, you know, Teach and Transform, God has brought so many wonderful people, all volunteers, who develop the modules now. They're so much better than what I had. It's gone to so much bigger and better than I could even imagine. Christ is using the gifts of uh, of all the people around us um, to build modules and to train and come on trips. And our role diminishes. And uh, our Christian medical students in, in Africa... Uh, we're making a deliberate effort to train them so that our role will diminish and they'll continue the Teach to Transform model. That's incredible. We're going to take a break, come back with our fourth and final segment. We're going to talk to Tom and Karen and continue to hear more about what God's done. And you know what? This transformation started with Tom when he was a prideful doctor. And, and amazing things have happened all over the world. But you know what? That transformation is still happening even back here in his own ER room. And we're going to hear how that transformation continues to happen. So we'll be back shortly and bring us uh, home on our fourth segment of Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and unfortunately final segment of today's show with Tom and Karen McKechnie. Uh, We are riveted. We are hearing story after story, and you cannot hear enough of these stories. And I ask you, I beg you to listen to this, pass this along to someone else in the medical field or just a guy who works on motorcycles. This is a great show to hear. Uh, You can go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or Facebook and type in Solid Steps Radio. You hear all these shows in their entirety. Thanks to our sponsors, Ellen and Credit Union, Frank Frank Enterprises, Vision First, Bright Star, and Dan Hart Financial. You know, Chad, and Tom, what what is the teach to transform dot dot org? Teach to transform dot org. If you want to hear and see, he actually blogs a lot of these stories and he's putting them in print. 
And uh, it's you can hear more information about that ministry at teachtotransform.org. This just fires me up. I just love I love hearing oh my these gosh, stories. Kurt, uh, I have got stories coming <laughs> to my mind right now. That, <laughs> I want to tell tell us a story about. Um, there's 11 of you, and you're jumping on the plane, and you're headed to Atlanta to head overseas. Tell us about that story. Okay, so there was 12 of us. We were working with Life in Abundance, and we were leaving Louisville. And one person had to drop out. So there ultimately ended up being 11 of us. The weather was bad. Louisville um, flight was canceled or delayed. So I thought we're going to miss our connection in Atlanta. So I was already starting a plan B, which was to stay the night in Atlanta and then fly. So on the way in the plane, the, the flight attendant said, are there 11 of you going to Kenya? And we raised our hand and she said, they're holding the plane in Atlanta for you. So we thought, well, that's coincidence. Um, the flights were delayed. Well, that's that's okay. So we get off the plane, run to our plane, and here it sits a seven forty seven. The doors closed, jetways closed, and they open it and let us come in through first class, walk all the way back to our economy seats, and we heard rumbling in the plane. Who are these people? So we sat down, and I started thinking, boy, we're your ambassadors, yeah, <laughs> for for Christ. That's right. So I start. I told everybody on the team, God has a plan for us. This this is no coincidence. So. We land and we work in Mathari Valley, one of the largest slums that is um, 800,000 uh, people in a less than a mile space of just the hardest poverty you can imagine. So we start setting our clinic up and um, a black African nun uh, comes to the clinic and said, I had, a, I had a vision that 11 would come, 11 angels would come treat us in Mathari Valley. And so she sat down, we treated her. And she said, there are 11 of you, aren't there? And our, the nurse that was taking care of her said, yes, there are. And she said, hold on, I'll point them out. And we were working with Europeans and other uh, white people in the, in the group, and she picked every one of us. And the nurse said, how did you do that? And she said, well, you're glowing with the Spirit. So that night at devotion, um, it came to me that when we spend time uh, in Scripture, devotion in the morning, work for Christ all day long, and then devotion in the evenings, we are glowing with the Spirit. The Spirit guides us. So when we come back home, the busyness of life takes over, uh, the job, um, the cars, the kids, and uh, the flicker of the Holy Spirit begins to diminish. So we have to, we have to uh, deliberately spend time with Scripture. Let the Holy Spirit who's in us guide us and write our stories. And whatever that is, whether it's with your family, your community, let God be the author of your story and use your gift. You know, t t Tom, you... I... <laughs> just amazed at that story and 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 how true it is wisdom ecclesiastes says brightens the eyes mm -hmm. it changes our countenance and what changes our countenance is the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom mm -hmm. and so when we have this encounter with the holy spirit um people can tell they can see it in our eyes they can see it in our countenance they can see it in our lives and that's why we need to draw upon him i mean at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, and really throughout the day, we we have to draw near to Him, and that and He Pray will draw without ceasing, and 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 He'll draw near to us. Tom, tell us a story, um, because this is not just about going overseas. Yeah. You have practiced medicine for thirty years here in the Louisville area. Tell us a, a story about nurses came to you, and yeah. it's in, in the room is a crazy mess. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit. Um, the Lord spoke to me when he said, you are not using my gift I've given you uh, to glorify me and show compassion to those who are suffering. So since I came to know Christ, I'm relentless in praying. 
um, and the Holy Spirit um, really guides me in the emergency room. It's, you can imagine there's a lot of terrible things that happen, but you can set the tone for those around you, um, and you can be uh, the Holy Spirit as long as your pride doesn't get in the way and they start, start looking to you to be glorified. And when you fail them, which you will, by the end of my shift, sometimes my patience is gone and uh, you will be broken and you do not want people to glorify you. You have to glorify Christ and make it clear that you're just a broken person that the Holy Spirit is speaking to. So one, one uh, morning I walked in and within one hour's period of time, the ER just fell apart. We had three patients come in, all critical. The first one had a uh, serious uh, aneurysm bleed in, in the head. I knew right away when I saw the CAT scan that things were not going to be uh, good. The second patient came in like 30 minutes later uh, with a gentleman um, who was really going downhill quickly with his wife at his bedside. Uh, so the first patient I realized was um, probably not going to survive. And when I went into the room because the Lord compelled me to pray, the entire family was surrounding the bed, praying, and actually a couple of them on their knees. So I quietly listened and was humbled by their comfort to know that God was going to take them to the kingdom of heaven. So when we have these situations, God gives us three things, a miracle, he takes us through the fire, he takes us home to heaven. So that was the scenario that I was looking at. I went to the next room, wife at bedside, husband's dying, everyone's telling her to make him a no code, which means do not resuscitate. I prayed with her, and she says, I will not um, follow that uh, recommendation, and I'm going to pray with him. So that gentleman, uh, we were able to stabilize. He went to the ICU, and a week later, he walks out of the hospital. Uh, <laughs> prayer answered. He went through the fire, and now he has a great testimony. The third gentleman, we were lucky enough to save. Um, so God, it was God's miracle and his hand that was in it. So the fourth uh, time I was called after taking care of these three patients with all the families of, you can imagine, 20 different people we're dealing with all um, in this disastrous scene, they call me to the desk. They say, Dr. Tom, you got to come quick. So I thought, here we go again. I prayed that I can do all things through Christ. Give me strength to keep going with this. And they said, there's not another patient, but we are devastated by what just happened and, and this tension. Could you pray for us? Mm. So the nurses and I held hands in the in the uh, middle of the emergency room. We prayed and we surrendered the ER to Christ because He was with us. And this is this is not at a <laughs> religious. You're yeah. not you're not in the middle of the church. You're in the middle of the ER right. room. Right. I mean, it's just which is powerful because God uses you where you're at. And uh, um, the ER and the nurses, um, all different walks of, in their walk with Christ. But I just was so uh, amazed and humbled by the fact that they asked me to pray because they saw that things were out of control. And when things don't make sense, Christ needs to be in the middle of it. When we're telling bad news, Christ is with us. You know, and whether we're in construction or whether we're teaching in a classroom or whether we're in the ER room or whether we're selling real estate or whether what doesn't matter where we are, yeah. God wants to use us. One last quick story I can tell you where pride gets in the way is when you think you this burden of, of reaching everyone burdens you. I was in a, on a Buddhist temple step, and I was sitting there thinking, look at the thousands of people going in here. God, how can I reach out to these people? I get a tap on my shoulder, and a little man says, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am a Christian. And he said, me too. And he started telling me all that he was doing. I said, you are the fastest answer to prayer I've ever had. He said, Tom, don't get prideful. I've got the body of Christ working all over the world. You just stay focused on what I've got you. Wherever God has you, <laughs> men out there, use his gifts. Uh, and, and don't be prideful about trying to be bigger than what you are. Let God write your story. And this man showed me that 
I don't have to carry the burden of the world. Mm. Just stay focused in what God's given you and uh, glorify him in whatever gift that is. That's awesome. Guys, it's fantastic to have you come in here. Tom, okay. Karen, thank you for coming in. Thanks for sharing your hearts and your stories. And uh, our time is up. So, Tom, okay. would you pray for us? Would you pray for us, guys, that we would understand the calling and, and we would be prayer-filled, Holy Spirit-filled men, just instruments in the, in the hands of God? Would you pray for us? I will. Our Heavenly Father, um, just so humbled to be here today, to have this venue to speak to those who are out there. If you're struggling like I was, uh, lost in the darkness, trying to make sense of all the brokenness that we have and, and the things that you struggle with, whatever that is, uh, it's never too late. If you would just seek him, you will find him. Seek out, seek out people in your community, in your, in your family, in your church who can um, walk with you in this walk. There is such a comfort to know when the scales finally come off that God's grace is bigger than anything you may have done, anything that you may have thought. But not only does he give you grace, he gives you the Holy Spirit because he knows how broken you are. Tomorrow when you come to know Christ, you will still be broken and you'll still struggle with the same things. But the Holy Spirit will be walking with you. And the way to make him glow and be a light for others is if you stay and seek him uh, with a passion, read, um, read the Bible, be with him. Pray without ceasing all day long that every choice you make, every decision you make uh, will glorify him. And he will speak to you and he can use you wherever you're at, um, uh, no matter what age, too old, too young, uh, whatever um, is, is your situation in life. God will use you. Just let him write the story. Get out of the driver's seat. Mm. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you, Tom. You know, in the beginning of this show, Tom made a reference to before he knew Christ, he said, I couldn't save them. As a prideful doctor, he looked at someone, if they died, he says, I can't save them. And if you listen to all these four segments, you see these amazing, amazing stories that God has done and all of these things. And even with Tom coming back into the ER and people uh, who were going to die and praying and them coming back, it's still true. Tom can't save them but Jesus can. And the difference between the very first segment, Tom, and the very four, and the fourth segment, Tom, is Jesus. <laughs> and so, man, if you're listening to this show uh, and you're walking in life, you're not walking in your destiny if you're not walking with Jesus Christ. And he transforms lives and he brings dead people back to life and he can do the same thing for you. So we thank you for listening. Pass this on. It is worth listening to. So we thank you for uh, the stories that God is writing. Thank you for Tom and Karen. And thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.